It's time for Lawyers for Jesus, a show about the dynamic and exciting interaction of faith and the law. Featuring the attorneys from the law firm Malkin Baker in downtown Chicago. Malkin Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and for serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Hello, welcome to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Rich Baker, an attorney and a partner at the law firm of Malkin Baker in Chicago. We are Christian attorneys who focus on serving the body of Christ with its legal needs. To learn more about us, go to malkbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com or call 312-726-1243. What does it take to be a pro-life advocate? Well, today I will be speaking with Eric Scheidler, who became a pro-life advocate at only six years old when his parents, Joe and Ann Scheidler, got involved in the pro-life movement shortly before the Roe v. Wade Supreme Court ruling. Currently, Eric is Executive Director of Pro-Life Action League, an organization on the front lines of the battle for the unborn. Eric, uh, it's my privilege, actually, to have you in this studio. Welcome to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm glad to be here with you. I've known you for a long time. I've known what you and your dad and your mom have been doing for a long time, uh, which is aggressively addressing the um, abomination of abortion. I had to search for the word that Mm -hmm. I wanted to use there because it is such a great, great offense to this country and, and in every sense to the family and to God. And you have been on the front line since age six doing this, um, picked up uh, from your father's ministry, which has been a very powerful ministry and and are carrying it on. I want you to go in and give us a little detail on what you're doing and and what the ministry is doing at this point. Well, the Pro-Life Action League is really founded on the idea that we can't wait for a resolution to this politically or judicially. Um, We have to, we can't wait for the courts to come around and and realize there's a right to life that needs needs to be enshrined in our laws. We can't wait for the legislators to uh, enact laws that will protect unborn children or for the media to tell our story or come around on the issue. We have to get involved ourselves. And my father, Joe Scheidler, founded the organization really inspired by his own experience with the civil rights movement. Uh, he marched with uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. In, in Selma, Alabama in the 60s. And he saw the power of regular people getting engaged in this cause of justice. In that case, the the, the cause of the just rights of African-Americans who were, were, were being turned away from the polls and who were still facing tremendous uh, injustice and, and uh, lack of civil rights in the 60s. And he wanted to bring that same kind of energy of the regular people that he was seeing uh, back in the 60s to the pro-life battle, the battle to protect the lives of unborn children. So he founded the Pro-Life Action League after seven years of working in the pro-life movement for other organizations to be a direct action group, a group that would focus on empowering regular people in their own communities, their own spheres of influence, their schools, their neighborhoods, their workplaces, their churches, to be effective advocates for the cause of life, to be voices for the unborn. All right. So so what I'm hearing here, is, is, that's a little different than, let's say, uh, an organization that's out um, protesting and, and destroying things and um, making havoc in order to make their message known. How, how does uh, Pro-Life Action League work? Well, we certainly are involved in protests, but our protests are always civil. They're always peaceful. They're always lawful. Uh, we, we recognize that protest has an important role to play in transforming our society, uh, social justice causes for the United States and around the world, but especially in this, in this very blessed country, um, you know, have 
been moved forward by that kind of public demonstration, bringing our message out into the public square. So we, we certainly do that, but we always do so in a, in a peaceful way and in a way that's really trying to engage the culture. And I think you can see the difference between the, the pro-life activist and the pro-choice or pro-abortion activists. Uh, Eric, you say that, and, and I'm, I'm breaking in on your on your uh, um, dialogue here. Um, we just saw that uh, in the in the march that just took place. Exactly. Um, and I've marched in that march every year. You were you were the convener of that march this year, I believe. You're, you were up on the stage. I was in I was in the crowd, and it was a large crowd, by the way. But when we marched down. Uh, Michigan Avenue. Uh, we did it in a very, very orderly manner. That's right. And our message was directed to the whole community. We weren't just talking to ourselves. We we saw the need to reach out to anyone watching on television, anyone who's seeing us on Facebook or on a Twitter feed or a Facebook Live or anything like that. The pro-life movement is outward facing. We want to reach the culture around us because you realize that for many people, this is a, an issue they don't want to think about. Even if they're kind of with us, they don't like abortion, they don't want to think about it, they don't want to talk about it, they certainly don't want to do anything brave or bold. But contrast that with our opponents. There were a small handful of you know, pro-choice people out there at the March for Life this year, and there, there and, are every year. A small handful means like, am I wrong, 30 or 40 maybe? Or was they had it, a very small group this year. It, it, They've it, had 100 in the past compared to our 5,000 or 8,000, whatever it was that year. But their message is not reaching the general public. You know, they come out with masks on. They come out with, with you know, stop the patriarchy and, you know, and, uh, overturn and, the electoral college. Their message is very inward focusing. They are talking to other radicals. They're not talking. And they're sort of, I see them as sort of petulantly refusing to, um, you know, we become like a parental figure for them. You know, they, they want to <laughs> yes. kind of push against it. Exactly. Yeah, they're exactly sort of the right. naughty school child. Whereas we're we're facing the culture, and and I think you see that difference there. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Rich Baker of the law firm of Mauk and Baker. If you're just tuning in, make sure to visit maukbaker.com to hear the rest of this interview. Uh, you can also subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on Facebook and Twitter for legal updates with a biblical perspective. Today, I'm speaking with Eric Scheidler, Executive Director of Pro Life Action League, and we've been talking about the uh, impact that that um, organization is having with regard to the pro-life movement. Um, Eric, I can tell you right now, we're not going to get done with this interview. There's way too much, and we're already off script. But I, I just want to take it a little bit further. We were talking about this last um, pro-life march that just took place. Give us a little more detail on that, what happened, and, and uh, then this coming year, what's going on? Well, the March for Life Chicago has been growing for several years now, and it was thanks largely to uh, an outreach by the late uh, Cardinal Francis George. He wanted to see a, a larger uh, expression of support for the life of the unborn child and, and resistance to the, you know, the, the laws that, uh, don't, that fail to protect those children in the city of Chicago. And, and it was largely because of his influence that this march went from being a very small little handful of people to being thousands, possibly even topping 10,000 this year. It was a very large crowd, even with the bad weather. You know, I was there. I know the police um, estimated at about 1,000. <laughs> I was marching on, crazy. on Michigan Avenue. There were nine blocks filling um, Michigan Avenue heading south, and, and they estimate at least 1,000 per block. So, you know, we look at that. It, it was a – and we filled Daily Plaza this time. Mm -hmm. uh, it was it, – 
And you know, and and that's I in the face of, of a barrage of reports about the greatest, you know, s- snowstorm of all oh, time. Yeah, my wife, my wife commented on that, and I said, you know what, it doesn't matter. I've been there when it's twenty below zero; mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. But the the thing that I noticed, and 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 if any of the listeners ever want to come, we're, we will be doing this each year. It'll come up in January again next year. You see the contrast. There is joy at that march. It's an amazing event. And it's not a bunch of old codgers like me and Eric, I hate to say it, but you're getting older as, the, yeah. as we go on. It's full of life and it's full of young people who are getting this message. So give us this pro-life message. Um, a lot of times the message is that um, pro-life is anti-women. How, right. how does that work? Right. We want to control women's bodies or we don't regulate. Well, if you look at the ranks of pro-life people, especially the pro-life people we work with who are, and when I say we're a frontline direct action group, that means that the Pro-Life Action League, and you can find us at prolifeaction.org. You can find us on Facebook at Pro-Life Action. The people that we're working with are moms and dads and grandmas and, and college students and high school students who care about the unborn child. I got to say, and grandpas. That's right. Grandfathers, grandmothers. They go out to the abortion facilities to offer help and to pray. They they talk, they walk into their politicians, you know, their local representative's office, and they have a meeting to talk about the sanctity of life and how this bill or that bill is going to help or, or hurt us in that, you know, prime value that we have on the sanctity of life. Uh, we're working with regular Americans, and that was crystal clear at this year's March for Life. This is a cross-section of America. We are racially diverse. There are more women pro-life leaders nationally and locally than there are men. So the idea that we're an anti-woman movement is absolutely crazy. And when you look further at the harm that abortion does to women and the horrible I, message that I, we're I just, delivering I just to think women, you have to really emphasize that. Um, the, the messaging has always been that this is necessary um, and it helps women. And I don't think that's what the, the statistics are bearing at this point. And, and just, just logically, when you kill your own offspring, you don't walk away from that with, with no scars. What kind of a message are we saying to women about their very identity as women when we say the only way that you can get ahead in the world, the only way that you can have the same rights as a man or, or fulfill yourself is if you participate in the killing of your own child? What a horrible thing to say, not just to any particular woman, but to all women about what it means to be a woman. Our message is that you can choose life and still achieve all of your dreams, and we're there to help you do it. So give us a little understanding. How do you help them do it? Well, number one, we help them do it by showing them that abortion is not the right choice, telling them about their child, you know, the development that's taking place in the womb. The, the, the help that's available to them through the th- over 3,000 pregnancy resource centers around the country. We help women negotiate through social services. We give them a voice if they've had abortions and they regret that decision and they want the opportunity to share with other women how it's hurt them so that they won't make the same bad choice that they made. We are there for them to help in, in all those practical needs and also to support them you know, in, in their spiritual journey towards, towards wholeness. You mentioned, and, and we're coming up on a break, but spiritual journey. Um, the Catholic Church has been very, very involved in the pro-life movement for, for many, many years and probably the spearhead for it. But there are other churches involved too, I believe. And that was true at this march as well. Am I right on that? That's right. I mean, this is a very powerfully ecumenical movement and I think a symbol of Christian unity. Coming up, we will talk further with Eric Scheidler, Executive Director of the Pro-Life Action League, about the different approaches to pro-life activism. I'm Rich Baker, and this is Lawyers for Jesus.
Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Rich Baker, an attorney at the law firm of Malk and Baker. We are a law firm based in Chicago, which serves churches, ministries, businesses, and individuals in their legal needs. If you have missed the first part of this show and want to listen online, go to malkbaker.com forward slash radio. Today, I'm speaking with Eric Scheidler, Executive Director of the Pro-Life Action League, and we left in the last segment talking about different approaches to pro-life activism. This is something that you've been doing for a long time. What are some of the different approaches? Well, you know, at the Pro-Life Action League, we focus on direct action, things people can actually do. And number one is going out to the abortion facilities to pray. We really encourage people to do that. It Nothing brings home to you the reality of abortion than standing out there in solemn prayer, watching people drive up, get out of their cars, walk into the abortion facility. Maybe someone's reaching out to them that they, they don't listen to. Sometimes they do listen. Usually they don't. They walk right through the door. Then you see them coming out a few hours later, broken, miserable, walking back to their cars. And you realize then a child has died. And to be there at that moment, to be there mourning for those children, you know, Christ told us, blessed are they who mourn. When we're there for those babies, mourning for them as they die, we're giving them the only gift they'll get this side of eternity. That's a very powerful thing to do. And that's really the thing we focus the most on, being there at the abortion facilities. But there are other things. We do education campaigns. Well, let's stop for a second. Sure. Um, so how would somebody do that? How would somebody get involved with you and go to one of these facilities and, and join you in that? Well, if you're listening to this broadcast, you live in the Chicago area and you want to get involved in this type of ministry, visit us at prolifeaction.org. If you're on Facebook, go to our, our Facebook page at Prolife Action. You can find us on Twitter as well, other social media. Tell us where you live and we will find the nearest abortion facility to, to your home where someone is active, where you can get plugged in, whether that's during a 40 Days for Life campaign in the spring or in the fall or whether that's throughout the whole year. We need volunteers. We need people to be there. And we have new abortion facilities opening up in this part of the country. You know, well, Eric, let me just interject here. Um, I'm fairly dismayed after the last election in Illinois. The um, we've gone off the charts as a as a state. With I think we're number one as an abortion provider in the country at this point, or if not number one, we're right there with New York and California. And, uh, what do we do about in that? In terms of the wholesale numbers, New York still tops. I mean, California, and New York are so are killing so many of their children. Illinois now has the most. Uh, licentious laws in the entire country, allowing abortion through all of pregnancy, forcing doctors and nurses to be involved with abortion. They're trying to gut our parental involvement law. We are really under attack. Here. I fought hard, by the way. I, I filed an uh, amicus curiae mm -hmm. in, in the Illinois Supreme Court after that thing had languished for years after years and, and nobody would address it. And finally, the court um, enacted that. And now they're trying to get rid of it. And again. it cut abortions in half among minor girls in in, in Illinois. And that's why they want to get rid of it. Lives are being saved and dollars are being lost by Planned Parenthood and the other abortion providers. They're trying to gut that law. But we don't, you know, whether the law is good or bad, we can be there for the children. We can be at the abortion facilities. We can talk to our friends and neighbors. We have a handbook called Sharing the Pro-Life Message. It's about to go into its sixth printing that provides answers to every question. When does the heart begin to beat? What are the laws in the different states? How can you get involved? How do you answer those objections? Like the one we talked about earlier yep. that were anti-woman. We have these answers for you. Educate yourself so that when you find out, say, your co-worker's niece is thinking about abortion or you find out your next door neighbor you know, is suffering from that choice, you're able to offer them an answer. Okay, so I'm coming back to you on this. And, and they would get this by going to your... You go to prolifeaction.org 
Find us on Facebook or Twitter at Pro-Life Action. You'll be able to get plugged into the answers that you need. And our website is packed with answers and information. And do you also send out those booklets to people who request them? Or- we absolutely do. We okay. send them out to student groups. We sold them by the, we've distributed over 80,000 of these handbooks. And sixth edition, am I hearing? So, sixth so you're, upda- you're it's, updating it. It's as you just go. about to come out. In fact, Planned Parenthood just came out with a new annual report that reveals they are responsible for 40% of all abortions in the United States right now. We've got to update some of those figures before our next printing. Wow. Wow. Well, let's talk a little bit further. Um, how do you get involved right now this year? What is What are you doing as Pro-Life Action League? What are the things that that if, if uh, I were to get involved with Pro-Life Action League, I'd be getting involved this year. Well, one of the things we're most looking forward to this year, and we don't know when this will be because it depends on what the authorities in Indiana have to say about it, but many listeners may be familiar with the horrible scandal of the babies, the, the 2,411 corpses of aborted babies yes. discovered. Well, tell our the, listeners a little bit more about sure. that, just so they know what's going on. Well, Dr. Ehrlich uh, Klopfer was an abortionist living in Illinois and operating in Indiana. Lost his license in 2016 for a host of problems, including performing abortions on girls as young as 10 years old without informing the authorities about the rapes that had been behind the fact that they were pregnant, things like this. Well, he passed away and they found the left corpses from his abortions, fetal remains for uh, almost 2,500 abortions in his uh, garage and in the trunk of a car that he owned in a lot. And it was a big story, an, an international story, because it was so chilling to people. These babies had been aborted about 17, 18 years ago. So these would be kids who are going to college now, and they're gone. We heard from a lot of the women who'd had abortions at Ulrich Klopfer's facilities and how much they regretted that decision. Well, we expect these babies to be buried uh, sometime in the near future. And we really encourage people to join us for whatever uh, services are being offered and to visit their gravesite and to stand and, and to recognize their humanity. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Rich Baker of the law firm of Malkin Baker, and we're talking with Eric Scheidler, Executive Director of Pro-Life Action League. Um, Eric, as we uh, talk about this, how do we find out when that's going to happen? How does the news get out? I'm, I'm interested in that personally. If you sign up for emails at prolifeaction.org, you will be the first to know because we are very plugged in there. We've got close friends uh, in the administration of, uh, of the Attorney General of, of, uh, of Indiana, Curtis Hill, who's a very wonderful pro-life advocate. I'd love to see him on the national political stage someday. Uh, so we'll know as soon as that's happening, and we will let all of our followers on Facebook and through our email list know when that burial is taking place so we can be there in solidarity with those children. And, and what will the burial be? Will, will it be all of the corpses or that were found in, in, a, in one grave, or how, how will they do that? We imagine. The details are, are yet to be revealed, and it really comes down to what the uh, Indiana authorities decide. You know, in Indiana, they have a law requiring that any child who's aborted be given a proper burial or be hmm. cremated. Hmm. You know, it seems kind of strange that we're allowing them to be killed for any reason whatsoever, but then requiring that their bodies be treated with the dignity we never treated them with when they were alive. But that's the best we can do sometimes. That's the hypocrisy. That's the two different uh, contradictory conclusions that, that pro-abortion people have to hold. You know, Sandra Day O'Connor, the uh, uh, Supreme Court justice, at one time commented that um, that the that Roe versus Wade was on a collision course with itself. The logic just doesn't hold up. Bring that out more. In w- in what way is it on a collision course with itself? Well, the more that our technology advances, you know, we're we're able to 
we're able to perform surgeries on on tiny little fetuses. I, I saw something about a, a spina bifida surgery that was done at a, a, a hospital in uh, Cleveland, Ohio, recently. Um, at 20 weeks, they're performing an incredible surgery that's going to make this child's life so much better because there's all those weeks in the womb where healing can take place. Mm-hmm. At the same age that children are being killed, and not just because there's some sort of deformity or, or some sort of tragedy going on, but simply because a decision was made to end their life, you know, for, for whatever convenience. So the child in one room in a hospital is being saved through incredible uh, devotion to the value of their life. And across the street at the abortion facility is being torn limb from, literally torn limb from limb. You know, you say across the street, but it's not even that sometimes. Sometimes it's down the hall. It's down the hall in the same hospital taking place. Um, when, when I hear something like that, uh, I, I recently saw the movie um, Unplanned. And in that movie, I, was, I, I actually found my, my shoulders shaking as I was weeping. Because in that movie, the, the uh, woman who was at first working for Planned Parenthood, she held these two different ideas. She had her own baby. Yeah. And she, she loved her baby. And yet she was helping other women kill their babies. And in that movie, at the end, it merged and she began to see the contradiction of the two and she could no longer live by that. Um, highly recommend for anybody to see that movie. It's a very, very powerful movie. But it, it really reflects this schizophrenia in terms of life. That's right. We have such a disconnect. Nobody talks about their fetus when they're putting up the, the sonogram on the refrigerator door or sending out pictures on Facebook of the the ultrasound that they just took. Nobody talks about their fetus. They talk about their baby. Right. They talk about their baby right. kicking. They talk about it all the time. The media, pro-abortion celebrities talk about their unborn baby. And yet, when it comes to this issue of legal abortion, suddenly we start talking about the fetus like it's an alien from another planet or a tumor. All right. I'm, I'm going to run out of time, but I'm going to ask you a really deep question here. And the question is, why then pro-choice. What is really the philosophy? What's happening there? What What are they thinking? Well, I think, you know, it really depends on the person. Some some people have just a horribly callous disregard for life and they just don't care. That's a small minority, I think. There are the others who just darken their minds. They they know that it's wrong. They know that it's not what the right, the right choice to make, and yet they feel desperate. There's a lot of desperation there leading women to the abortion facilities. And, and we see it. Some Sometimes they even will say, I know it's wrong, but I don't have any choice. And so I think they, when you're that desperate, you stop thinking and you just it's, you act. You act. You yeah. just act out of out of fear. So we're there to say, don't be afraid. We will help. Eric, um, love having you on the show. Love what you're doing. Uh, thanks for coming in today and speaking with us. How can our listeners learn more about Pro Life Action League? One more time, go to our website prolifeaction.org. Find us on Facebook or Twitter at Pro Life Action. We are there to help you be an advocate for our unborn brothers and sisters. If you have a legal need or a question and want the perspective of a Christian attorney, please contact us at Malkin Baker. You can reach us at 312-726-1243 or at maukbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. On our website, you'll find our Lawyers for Jesus podcast, and you can also subscribe to our Religious Liberty newsletter for legal updates. Thanks for listening. I'm Rich Baker, attorney at Malkin Baker, and this is Lawyers for Jesus. Have to save somebody 
Yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody. 